Welcome to the Business Leadership Experts Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping provide leadership solutions to small and medium-sized business owners. We'll talk to business experts on establishing company strategy, trends on leadership development, challenges of company culture, and understanding company finance. Now, here's your host, Mike Temple. Well, leaders, welcome back with us again to another episode of Business Leadership Experts. You're going to love the guests that I have today. You've got to hear the Demo Perez story. This is a gentleman who started his own business. He is a business owner. He's knee-deep in what is happening in logistics, in the supply chain. It's a story I found fascinating. You got to hear this story because it's, it's fascinating on, on several, on a few different levels. Demo, please. Introduce yourself to our audience. Hello, my name is Demosthenes Perez. All my friends call me Demo since I was a kid. Demo is a, a long Greek name, but I'm from Panama. Born and raised in Panama, and I've been here all my life. So uh, I'm uh, about to reach the fifth floor, the fifth floor. So uh, I will be 50 years old very soon. Ah, okay. A young 50. Yeah. So Demo, explain to us a, a little bit before you got to IPL. You didn't make this leap overnight. It no. took some years of experience. Give us a little bit of build up to what you were before you were doing before IPL. You guys got to hear this. Yeah, well, I started on the logistics industry back in 1997. I started working for a relative that won a contract with Federal Express. So this guy had to run a service for FedEx as a vendor, and, the, and he didn't have the resources. So he called all his friends, family. So I came, jumped with him, and. I didn't live in Panama City at that time also. I was in, a, in another place where I grew up. So uh, I started just helping him for a couple of weeks and I ended up getting into loving this industry. I, like a year after we started, that company was taken out of business and FedEx decided to go directly and they hired me. So I started like being a station manager for FedEx and in a place that, you know, very interesting places, the Cologne Free Trade Zone. So that was my be beginning in the logistic industry. Pretty interesting. And, and, and I spent working for this group, passed a lot of different changes into the history of the business. That company that used to be the FedEx partner turns to be DHL partner. So I ended up running DHL operations. And then after that, I ended up running real distribution centers for my company and also for DHL. What I did the last 15 years as the general manager of this group was to develop a business. And those businesses are related to global companies that use Panama as their real distribution center and, and fulfillment center to serve Latin America. And Latin mm -hmm. America means for us from Mexico to let's say from Guatemala to uh, Chile, because Brazil and its outcome are served directly. So it's a group of countries that are served from Panama. So I became an expert of developing the business for these 4,500 companies and uh, you know global companies in general, because they need to understand how to work here. So during that period, I think I worked with in over 200 projects for global companies. Of course, not all of them became into a, a, a realization, but was a huge experience, Mike, because mm -hmm. I had the chance to learn from companies that are in all areas of business, pharmaceutical to industrial to high tech to healthcare to beverage to clothing, <laughs> auto parts, you name it, mining equipment. 
And the good thing for me as an experience was to deal with all these global companies. I have global contacts all over because I had to meet executives from China to Brazil, from Africa to Paris. So people from all over the world had the chance to interact with them and become friends of many of them. And still, we are friends. So it was a beautiful experience, Mike. And at that time, I had to run this company. I have a staff, you know, uh, we built warehouse. We have, I don't know, 350 team members. So beautiful experience. Wow. So, so you were working with your prior employer. Yeah, you built this company up, obviously, to be yeah. a, a key player in the Panama Free Zone. And we're going to come back, folks, yeah. to explain a little bit about this strange and odd term for those of you who don't know it, Panama Free Zone. We're going to come back. Demo, Demo's going to explain that to us a little bit. So, Demo, you're at the, the, it sounds like you're at the height of your profession. You've built a team up to 250. You helped them start, you know, the distribution. I'm going to venture to say once you've reached that level, that's there's some security there from income to benefits to you're the king of your own world. And then all of a sudden you catch the entrepreneur bug. <laughs> <laughs> when most people are thinking, I'm going to set it on cruise control and stay in the comfort zone. Tell us a little bit what pushed you into starting IPL. If you could first tell us, what does IPL stand for? IPL are the, the initials of the last name of my partner, Daniel. Okay. Is, uh, and mine is Perez, IP, IP Logistics. So uh, that's IP and the group because IPL group, because we are, our vision is pretty big. So uh, to have a, a, a group of companies. So we started with that. So yes, I was on the peak of my of my uh, professional career at the time. I was running a very successful company financially wise. I have a beautiful team. You know all the benefits, good salary. You know, assistant, all what you want to be to have wow. in, in a position like this. But I started the last years in that position. I started to feel that I was needing something else. I wanted to grow the company. I wanted to export the company. I want to. And, you know, I was not the owner. Uh, so, uh, and, and the board, the owner of the company, they have a different plan. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I started to, to feel that need because I was, I grew up in a business family, in an entrepreneurial family from my grandfather, so my father, everybody. So I had this dream to have mm -hmm. my own business, right? So many people told me in times like, why do you don't build your own thing? You have everything. You have everything. You know, I hear that many times, but in my internal Part, I said, I don't have everything to do that. So I started working for financial purposes with a coach that ended up being a good friend. And, and this coach, he set up a mastermind group hmm. with a group okay. of uh, business owners. Actually, I was the only one not business owner on the group. And he challenged us to, actually, he also did it, to set up a stretch goal. Every one of us in the group had to set a stretch goal. And my goal was to build my own company, right? So we start working, we start meeting frequently, and this he came with the idea, we need to go to a Tony Robbins seminar, the <laughs> Unleash, Unleash the Power Within. At a time, I was a fan of Tony, but never that deep. So he pushed us to, Tony Robbins. <laughs> to go to Tony Robbins. We bought the most expensive tickets to be the, you know, the whole experience. And what I found out, my friend, is that sitting there in that, you know, four-day seminar, we make all the fire walking, all the Kool-Aid, right? But I learned a lot. I learned, okay. and I had that breakthrough that Tony said. I have it during the event. 
I understood finally the reason why I was not able to be my own, to build my own business. And that was fear. Mm. So I learned how to overcome that fear okay. because that was all in my head. I was the only one that didn't believe in, my, in me to do this. So wow. it was a process. So when I came down, uh, I came back to Panama after a seminar. Of course, I keep, I keep working with the Mastermind Group. I keep working mm -hmm. uh, with the Tony, coaching, Tony Robbins coaching team. So I did a lot. And a couple of months after that, I submitted my resignation to the, uh, to the board. Wow. I, I was going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I was going to do it. I have this, this good friend. He was in a position like mine. He was also looking to jump his business. He's, he's a little bit older than myself. And uh, we, we used to meet a lot in, you know, work-related thing. And, and he was in the same position. He wanted to, to do their own thing. So uh, we came together and said, okay, let's do it. And we did it. Okay. <laughs> kind of crazy. But let me tell you a story that I didn't mention uh, very often. Both my business partner, Daniel, and I, we come from the corporate world, world right? And okay. we used to work for wealthy business groups. So in our world, when you need financing to a project or to build a warehouse or whatever, we just call the bank related to the group. And that's okay. it. You know, so in our crazy head, we say, okay, we got this. <laughs> we are these two executives, you know, with a great record, you know, uh, with all the uh, knowledge and experience uh, and good track of business. Mm -hmm. And also we want a work contract. So we say, okay, let's go to a bank and they will give us the money to build the company. Right. And we were wrong. Of course we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, you know, because, you know, we were uh, starting the company, no bank will give you any, any penny for that because even though you are who you are. Right. And uh, we learn in the hard way that it's not that easy as we used to be when you were this uh, CEO or whatever, right? So, and we didn't know anything about raising money or finding investors, nothing. We were would have zero experience on that. So we ended up putting our own money, our own savings, our own, uh, you know, uh, our, our family uh, savings to build the company. And that's how we started. Wow. Betting everything. So even with your experience in the industry, 15 years, and if we talk about, you know, the total experience in logistics industries, you're probably closer to 20, 25 years. When you take the total experience, 15 years with your prior employer, you should have absolutely, you'll probably forget more about the logistics and in industries, probably even in Panama, you'll probably forget more than what people will ever know. With your experience, why should you be afraid to start your own, just start your own business? But the way you laid it out is not uncommon to those who have decades of experience and that shift, that mental shift from working for someone, and like you said, you wanted to take the company to another level, and not that they were doing anything wrong, you just had some ideas that you wanted to explore, that you thought could work. Now you've got to make that jump, that mental jump to, it is now all on me and my partner. And the bank was the first one to tell you, no. <laughs> yeah, we went to a, a number of banks. And also, <laughs> okay, no. a number of banks. First, you got to convince yourself, and then you've got to fight through those who might not agree with you. It could be those who are the closest to you, who love you, and they don't want to see you get hurt. So they'll try to prevent you from leaving that comfort zone. Tony Robbins had you walk across some fire. 
Yeah. <laughs> and during that time, I also, we, you know, my kids are, are grown and we meet all the family and, and I explained them exactly the plans of, you know, they knew about, we were about to lose our, uh, you know, the benefits of having this, this position. So uh, this was a family agreement. They say, okay, that do it. This is the thing. So that was pretty helpful. My wife was, she's my support and she was do it. And during all this period, Mike, I also changed a lot on, on my personal life, on my uh, health practice. During my years in the corporate world, my only principal thing was the company, my job, my job. I need to be there early. I, you know, I work on weekends. I work on nights, no vacations. You know, I was really committed with that. And in this process, I learned that I was first. Like I was more important. And mm-hmm. today I focus on me and that is re- giving results to the business. So it's different. So all right. the things that this, I learned in, this, in that seminar, I have applied it to my life and works. That makes sense. Yeah. It's a familiar path from the newest entrepreneurs to the most, to, to, I should say it's the same path from individuals who have very little experience in the industry to veterans like yourself in the what, their respective industry, making that leap into entrepreneurship, it's flat out scary. It's an adjustment and a change of everything that you have grown secure, secure about. You now are taking on all of that. But I think also what you're, what you're outlining is you're going to start betting on yourself. You're going to start betting on your own ideas. Security now means no one can fire me Unless I fire myself or I don't fulfill or my plan doesn't sell to anyone. Either way, most entrepreneurs find the risk in staying with their current employer. Not that that's bad, right? But some just look at where the real risk is at. So now you started IPL. And, you know, then if you're working with Tony Robbins, he himself probably even pointed out when you start your organization, what's your purpose? What's your cause? What's your big why as to why you started your organization? Other than solving logistics problems, and we're going to come to that later, what was your driving force? One of the things that I learned by living during my previous corporate years was to work with people. I come from a family of very well-known people in, you know, in, in small towns, you know, everybody knows each other. We have, my family used to have friends all over the region. So, and I was teach to respect people. And when I came to this region where we are right now, I found many areas where people was, were not respected well. Mm-hmm. So my first idea was to build a company to help people support people to grow. So we ended up building a purpose for IPL and the IPL have, it's a, became a purpose-driven company. <laughs> purpose-driven uh, company, okay. But, but for real. And our purpose say that we want to become a growth platform for our people and our business partners working in a happy and as well as high-performance environment. Hmm. So we really are trying to give all our team the opportunity, Mike, to become more. Probably they won't be able to build their own business, whatever, but we want them to feel that IPL belongs to them. They do things, they feel respected, they can grow. And, and But that doesn't mean that you are going to be lazy or you, know, you need to be a, a high performer and achieve results. Okay. Because we are a service company, right? So uh, 
We try to, to do that every day and give it the opportunity to as much as people as we can. And last year I saw a, uh, we had an event in the company mm-hmm. and without noticing, I see my dream come true, Mike. We have this event, internal event. We were just talking about some achievements internally. And then I just look up and all the people and I saw over 120 employees wearing IPL uniforms. Wow. 130. And I say, oh my God, this is what I dreamed. I was shocked. I cried at that time. I need to be honest. I cried. (laughs) (laughs) Because I didn't realize, Mike. So uh, I said, okay, I did it. So it was impressive for me. It still is. And this is it. So uh, we are practicing the, you know, the, the giving part. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the team knows that. I was raised that way. I try to put it into my daily, you know, in my mindset that I need mm-hmm. to help as much as people as I can. And of course, we are a business. We need to make money, right? We, need right. To, we got a lot of <laughs> bills to pay. But our main driver is right. not the profit. Our main driver is to be fulfilled as individuals. Not only okay. not only my partner and I as business as, as owners of the business, but everybody. So we, we have been working very hard on that, Mike. Okay. So let me repeat back to what I think I, I hear you saying, because yeah. one of my questions is, you know, we talk about to become a growing platform for its people, in other words, your employees yeah. and our customers working on a happy but high performance environment. What I think I hear you saying when in regards to your people. You know, growing their talents, yeah. discovering a talent you might not have known, or if you find a talent, and it doesn't always have to be in a transactional role area. It can be something beyond that. Growing knowledge of an industry that maybe they had never known existed or how it existed. So you're adding to that growth as well. And that kind of, to me, says a little bit of growth of their self-confidence. I'm doing something that I never knew before at a level I never thought I could grow. And if you can impact their growth, that shifts their mindset to a personal growth mindset. And if you can impact them, and if they can feel that, they'll help carry the company's growth mindset, right? So now if I switch that a little bit, let me finish this other point. When you say, because you're saying here happy, we talked about the employees. What does happy look like? If If I'm a happy employee, at IPL, what are some of the things that would make me happy? Well, in our view, and probably not, not sure if it's the corporate view of happiness in, in business, for us, happy means to be healthy, mm-hmm. to feel secure, to feel that the company cares about you, not by saying it, but by doing it, by meaning it, that you you are every day, every day you are challenged to your knowledge, to your intellectual thoughts, you know, to hear your voice. To, that we ask for your opinion, okay. you're not a robot, right? And that opportunity to, or that leads an opportunity to become more. Even though if we don't have, or I don't have, you know, education, formal education, I have an experience, I have knowledge, and that can help me to grow, to be more. I don't need to be all my life doing mm-hmm. the same job. I can have other aspirations. And for me, that combined with being healthy and be secure, that will lead into a happy environment. I don't mean with that, that we are just smiling and, and, and hugging each other. That's, right. that's not, that's not. It's to respect, you know, each other. There is, and that's how I, and I have the, the, the fortune that my partner thinks exactly as I think. We are not the kings. We are not the, the big guys. No, no, no. We are equal to everybody in the company. 
Actually, last year in an in a implementation of a customer, we were working side by side with the warehouse team, just moving boxes for days, you know, side by side, sweating mm-hmm. like crazy, you know. But And that, Mike, we ended up understanding that the people really have an enormous appreciation for that. We are not just, you know, pointing or saying, oh, oh do this or do that okay, let's do it this side by side. Even though, you know, there were young guys we were moving thousands and thousands of clothing boxes. We were tired, but we were there, you know, doing the same job and the appreciation you feel from them is incredible. The energy that you feel and people when come to visit us, they say, I feel an energy here. People tell us that, Mike, it's impressive because we really, you will never find anything related to happiness or respect or anything in the walls, no. We so there's that. no we, say, you don't have any posters, you know. No, nothing. Uh, right. We okay. Do it. We do it. This is this is the way we do. Okay. This is the way we operate in a full respect, evaluating each other as an individual, respecting your point of view, right? So I think that is, I don't know. At least for us, it's beautiful because people feel that we respect them and they feel respected too, and okay. uh, it's kind of very nice environment. Well, the parts that I like that you pointed out, happy doesn't always mean that we sit around the campfire, you know, singing songs, holding hands, and and we're all laughing. You know, that's not the happy that we're looking for. Challenging employees to grow, helping them to grow, giving them a direction. Here's where IPL is going. This is the focus. Here's where we're going. As you're learning a new skill and your knowledge is growing as well, contribute some of these ideas to us. So now we've kind of understand what growing means to the employees. But like you said, we got to make a profit. No one's going to want to do business with us because, you know, we're a wonderful set of of individuals. And, you know, you you feel the energy here. What does growing mean to IPL? Well, for us, you know, first of all, we are still a startup. We just reached the uh, the two-year goal a couple, of mo- a couple of weeks ago. So we are still a very young company. We have grown, of course, in terms of we ended up 2020 after the pandemic with 10 employees. And uh, we ended up 2021 with 130 something. Wow. Uh, so that's growth for us, right? So yeah. now we are ambitioning to continue because our vision, our business vision is pretty clear, Mike. And we want to, we, we, our vision say that we want to cross the our borders, you know, a Panama borders and export our talent. Ooh. So in our vision, we are telling our, the team, we want you to become better because you are going to be exported as talent, as a professional. Okay. And that is written. That is written and that is a couple of words, the company vision. And, and we want to become a regional a logistics provider following global quality standards, but without losing our essence. And our okay. essence is the people. The risk, even though if you go to a new market that they have a different, and we will talk about that later, every country in Latin America is very different. We are sure that our values will be valid in Panama and in every other country in the region. Because okay. we believe that we have a strong values and we, we want to follow them. Okay. That makes sense. I think I see what you're trying to achieve here. Tell me if, I'm, if I understand it. Where IPL wants to grow outside your country boundaries outside the borders of Panama. Yeah. In order to achieve that and to export talent, you have to foster kind of an environment of personal growth. You can't grow if, first of all, if the leadership team doesn't grow, 
personally, professionally, you cannot expect your employees to grow, yes. right? They'll see 100%. that, right? Yeah. But if they can grow outside their own personal borders and their own personal comfort zone, that's what can catapult the company outside of Panama to other countries. That's yeah. what your customers will feel. Is that right? They'll feel yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And especially in our business today, you know, supply chain is today in every news. And now companies need to have supply chains that are agile, that are resilient. And now and we as logistic operators need to be part of those strategies from companies. You need to be flexible. You need to be agile. And that is only done through experience and knowledge and, and strong people and strong teams. And uh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a huge challenge right now. Yeah. And when, you know, we also talk about demo, you know, we're talking about, you know, various challenges, looking at what exactly North America is, mm. it's kind of a, a different beast altogether. Let me show you here. Here we have North America. I apologize. South oh, America. America. Yeah. Okay. And if we look closely, right up here is Panama. Yeah. So we have Panama up here. Now, and of course, you, you, you know, we've, we've got Costa Rica and Mexico up, up north. But you said something I thought was rather important and that most organizations, it's not uncommon for a lot of organizations to misunderstand what it means to ship to South, South America. I've got Venezuela, I've got Colombia, I've got Ecuador, I've got Peru, I've got Brazil, Bolivia, Chile. Is the rumor true, Demo, that each of these territories is in fact a separate country to themselves. Yeah. Actually, you're, you're, in this map, you're still missing a couple of other countries in this region. So, uh, because okay. Central America and, and also the islands, uh, many of the Caribbean islands are part of this region, as we call. So, what happens, Mike, is that as you presented here, every country in this region is mm -hmm. totally different from the uh, cultural way from the, you know, the, there are different languages spoken in the every country. There are very different political ways of running those countries. Every one of those have a complete different rules and regulations that are different to the other. So these are very, this is a 26, I think, 28 countries. And all of those have, you know, their own complexities. So you pull all that together, wow. you know, it's, it's a very complex territory to do business. But is still a great market and a great and growing market. So what happens is that typically global companies will, will choose to, okay, if we're going to have a mess, let's do it. Let's have it in the bigger country. So they go to Brazil and they go to Mexico. But the rest, they, they, they try to avoid going there directly because it's too complex. And mm. Again, you need to pass through different regulations, Ministry of Health, Ministry of Commerce that are different. Everything is different. The laws are, it's a different thing. So- what we do in, uh, in out of the Cologne free trade zone in Panama is that we can help these businesses to go to those markets mm -hmm. in a smarter way. Okay. So if I'm looking at this map, what you're saying, Venezuela, Colombia, Ecuador, Peru, and even in yes, Brazil, each one of those being a separate country have separate presidents, separate leaderships, separate laws from one another separate currencies from one another. And we haven't even touched on shipping regulations. Is that right? Yeah. 
Okay. Languages. Languages. And, and separate languages. Cultures. <laughs> Cultures. So for example, the, you, you see Peru and Chile, they are just a border difference, but they are completely different countries. People, the, the traditions, mm-hmm. 100% different. And that happened if you go come to Panama and then you go to Costa Rica or you go to Guatemala. We are high in common that most of us speak Spanish, but even though our, our lingo is different. Right. <laughs> so we, we got, you know, it's not a single, so to say that chip to South America is not like North America. It's a completely different thing. So it's a mistake to say, to believe that it's a one single region because it's not. Well, it, explain to me, Demo, with, the, with Panama, mm-hmm. As kind of, I'm going to say the distribution hub yeah. to South America. Explain to me a little bit about what, the term that I heard earlier, the Panama free zone and the role that plays into distribution okay. to South America. Okay. Let me start by saying that, first of all, Panama is the narrowest point in the America's continent, hmm. right? Okay. Because of that, we have something that we call our back logistics backbone, which is the Panama Canal. Of course. <laughs> yeah, the Panama Canal give us a tremendous advantage because all the ships going from one ocean to the other have to cross. People say that close to 5% of the global economy cross the, the Panama Canal. Oh. So with that said, you know, the country has, has built an infrastructure around the canal, ports, airports, railways, special economic zones. Mm-hmm. And this, this specific one where I am at is called the Colon Free Trade Zone. The Colon Free Trade Zone is a special economic zone that was, that was built or created back in 1949. Okay. At that time, Panama had this American part of it. Right, we were there. there was the, the the old canal zone. There was a territory that was owned by the United States. Was a, like a country within the country, right? Okay. So in that specific zone or area, the laws that rules that state was the law of the state of Louisiana. So okay. back in 1947 and 48, the economy of the city of Cologne was really depending on the uh, on the ships that uh, were related to the, the, the Second World War. So after the war, the city of Cologne became into a depression. So a group of entrepreneurs were trying to find a way to build something to generate jobs. So they found or they hear about this law in the state of Louisiana that was the law of the free zone. So they okay. get that law, they just get it translated, they say, okay, we were going to do a build a free zone. And they did it. And that group was led by a, the, president of the, the president of the country at the time. So they built this free zone. And the purpose of the free zone is to create jobs, not to, to get taxes. Okay. So with that law, from that time, it started becoming more and more attractive for companies. So, and I need to say this, a lot of people say that this is a, a, a tax heaven. Mm. But the reality tax haven. is yeah, tax haven, yeah. So, but the reality is that that was, it's not the purpose of it because the purpose of this zone is to do business for the region, not for Panama, oh. it's for the region. Because Panama is still a very small country. We are close to 4 million people, 4.2, I think. So we are one of the smallest country in Latin America. So, but out of Panama, you serve Colombia, which is a 50 million market or Chile or Dominican Republic or Guatemala or other countries that are way bigger than Panama. 
So this free zone, the purpose is to serve the countries and the region. So we got the, the chips coming from all over the world, mainly from China, of course. And then we receive the goods. And then we, from here, we re-export the chips, taking advantage of the current frequencies of the canal. Because what this gives us is our reliability in service. We have resilience because okay. this never stops because the ships doesn't stop crossing and coming. So all these international ports that are private, so we don't have these, you know, strikes, these kind of things, move really in a very secure way, the products. So a lot of multinationals, actually, I think at least seven or eight of the top 10 global pharmaceutical companies have their regional inventories seated in Panama, in the free zone. Wow. So, you know, and companies like Pfizer, for example, have been in that free zone for over 70 years. 70? 70 years, seven zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And many of the companies, you know, the Japanese electronic companies started in the 70s, in the, in the 70s, in the free zone, the Zonies, the Kenwoods, the Panasonics, all those Japanese companies start their growth in Latin America out of Panama, out of that free zone. So there are still all these sporting good shoes, the Nikes, the Adidas, the New Balances, Skechers, all those big names, Under Armour, all those have the regional inventories in the free trade zone. So each one of those large companies has, yeah. is it safe for me to say, well, they've got products and distribution centers in Panama? Yeah, mainly run by, by 3PLs. Some of them belong to them. But the important thing is that they run their businesses in this region out of Panama. So what is the advantage of, of working through Panama? Why don't I just go and send products to the, you know, to these different or to these different countries. What's the problem with just going to these different countries and the benefit, as opposed to what's the benefit of some of the things that IPL, the problems that IPL uh, solves yeah. of going through Panama and the free zone? Certainly, there are there are some products that are sold in big quantities that you can ship a full container of one product from the manufacturing plant to the country, and that happens. But in reality, there are many other products that cannot be bought into that bigger amounts. And mm -hmm. the other thing is that, you know, global companies have global vendors. So they have vendors all over the world. So a single vendor of product cannot, say, send or ship one single product to all the region because there are small markets. So what happens in Panama is that we mix or we consolidate product from different vendors from all the world and we build a new container mixed. For example, IBL have a customer, it's a, it's a, it's a well-known fashion company that we receive products from different plants in China. And they produce, you know, let's say there is one vendor that only produce belts and the other just shoes and the other just hats, oh. let's say. So when we ship that product, those products to the stores, we need to fill an order that is, you know, the T-shirt black S or M and XL, you know, and in certain quantities. So we need to build that, those orders to fulfill what that specific store is looking for. That is impossible to be done on the manufacturing plants because there is no dot one manufacturing plant, I don't know, 20 or 30, right? So we give a service helping the customer just to consolidating products just to meet the demand. Mm. And the other thing is that we also, our main business actually is to perform value add services for those products. That means that, for example, for this specific customer, we 
We put the price tickets in the currency of the country where we are shipping to. We put the anti-theft alarms. We, even though in other countries are required, you know, you mentioned about the, the rules and regula- import regulations. There are yeah. some countries that require a sued label with the information of the importer of records in that specific country. That is impossible to be done on China in a manufacturing plant because it's a fraction of the of the of the all the order. So that fraction needs right. to be processed. So what we do, we have a team of a team member with sewing machines. They are just sewing labels, printed with the number of re- the number of the importer of record, the physical address, and the name. Because in the customs authority in that specific country, they will check if that product doesn't have that label sued because it's textile. It won't allow that product to be imported. If we say non-textile, need to be have a adhesive label. So it's a lot of a lot of services that we perform in order to help our customers to cross those non-tariff barriers. Wow! And put the product in the hands of the end customer. That's what we do. That's our our main area of expertise. So if I understand what you're saying, demo, that if I own a retail fashion store mm-hmm. here in the United States, but part of my inventory is being manufactured in China or Vietnam, and this inventory that I'm, you know, th- that is being accumulated that needs to get to South America, they would, to build that order, because we've got shirts here in the States made in the USA, we've got belts possibly made, you know, say in Vietnam, we've got shoes that are made in China, but each one of these indiv- somewhat individual apparels need to be built in order. One order to get to my retail outlets in South America. So they would come to you. And now that you've built the order, you've got to look through to make sure that each of those items are correctly labeled. And well, I, I, to capture it, demo, meet the regulations of each of those countries. And that requires, even if they have to sew a tag in, you do that as well. We do that. And another important topic is that in this free zone of is free. So there is no tax. There is no import tax. There is no export tax. Wow. There's no sales tax for re-exports. So what happens is that once you put a product into a market, you need to pay the taxes. And if you are not selling that product in a specific market, you, you want to re-export it, right? But it's almost impossible. The customs regulations in almost all Latin America, including Panama, not the free zone, but Panama, the, uh, you know, the fiscal territory, it's very hard to re-export something that already paid mm-hmm. taxes. So it takes a lot of time and a lot of money. So it's not manageable. So what happens is that our customers, they bought product not for a specific market. They bought for a region. Okay. That's why it's regional inventory. It's not local inventory. So right. they play with the demand. Whatever that specific country wants to, or they experience a growing all the sales of that specific product, then they ship it. They don't want to ship that a product that won't be sold because they will lose it. They will need to scratch, scrap that. So, and that is possible because going a little back on the connectivity on the frequencies, because you can build an order and you can have it in Colombia in 24 hours, or you can have it in Peru in 72 hours, right? So right. you can do all that, but you can also put it in that market pretty close, pretty soon. It's not shipping from China. A month and something from distance is days. So months over days. So Panama, it's a pretty simple place to pivot your product, mm. your demand. 
to meet the, whatever the demand is. So let me bring that map up again here real quick. Yeah. So then here we've got the different, is it safe to say the different regions within South America? So I've got Venezuela, I've got Colombia, we've got Peru, Ecuador, Brazil. Now, let's say I've got, I own the retail outlet and we've got, you know, four different or, or three different t-shirts that we want to sell, but we don't know how they're going to sell and we don't know who's going to buy. We've got, let's say we've got like a, a, a red, you know, we've got a blue, we've got a yellow, we've got black, right? But we don't know who's going to buy what or what's going to resonate within these different countries. What do I do? Well, the, the strategy that we see from our customers, Mike, is that they send a sample to okay. every market and they wait for their reaction. Because a product that people in Peru loves, people in Colombia hates. Same product. So when these customers, they see a product that is a hit in a market, then they start selling it. Out of Panama, not from the country. Oh. They have a safety inventory in Panama. Again, you don't know where that product is going to be a hit. Probably, probably it's not even in South America. Probably it's in the Dominican Republic. The people there love that blue shirt. So they want thousands of it. So you just put an order to the Dominican Republic and IPA will pack and ship. And you will be there in four days. Right? Okay. The product that you thought originally or your planning team thought that in Chile was going to be a hit, but they hate it. Okay. It's an example, but more or less happened that way. Okay. All right. So it's almost kind of a, 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 a market test. The ability to hold inventory in one central location, not have to pay taxes on it, import taxes, and to see and to find out what will sell. And this is not only taxes, Mike, because if you have a partner, maybe the partner will charge you. But if you set up your own warehouse in, that, in every country, mm -hmm. then you have another problem. You have landed costs. You have expenses. And a product that you're not selling it. So why to have that? So you you rely on a partner mm -hmm. and you put the product into a safe place that you can move it. And not only, to be honest, is the capacity is not only to distribute to Latin America. I have myself shipped product to the Middle East. Oh, okay. Because the inventory was sitting here and my customer found a customer in Dubai. They just ship it. Okay. Because there are frequencies. Yes. You can ship to Africa, you can ship to Europe, you can ship to the U.S. Because you can reach all those markets because we got the frequencies, we got the ships. It's there. Okay. The capacity, the capacity is there. Okay. So you would use it if you need it. Okay. So Panama doesn't deal just with South America. Of course, it's, let's say, 95%. Right. But we also serve the U.S. when needed. We also set ship to Europe and to other countries when needed. But the reality is that our main markets are, getting your map, Brazil is not served commonly from Panama because Brazil is too big mm -hmm. and they have the, a solo market like, like Mexico. But all the rest are pretty well served out of Panama. Okay. So, and it sounds like most of the organizations that you focus on, what are some of the organizations, the, the, um, your market that you focus on, size of companies? Do, do, does somebody have to be a, a part of the Fortune 500 to get your attention? No, not really. My experience, to be honest, was on those kind of companies. Okay. For the 500, you know, I was really expert on, on, on dealing with that, those companies. But now in IPL, we are not focused on that. Also. We are mainly focused on mid-sized 
or small size companies that want to do business in the Rio. They have customers, they have a good product that this market wants, but they don't know how to do it. They don't have the mm. experience. So we find this there is a market, very interesting market of uh, you know business owners that they need uh, an advice like we can do, uh, we yeah. can give them because we have all the experience doing this. So a small company or mid-sized company, you name probably, I don't know, what is the uh, the typical size you believe? Well, I would think that, that if you're talking, you know, small to mid-sized organizations, you're looking anywhere from, I'd say employee size, maybe to 50 to 300 people. Yeah, 100%. In that range, revenue fifty to close to two hundred million in revenue. Yeah, exactly. And let me explain you why. If you are probably bigger than that, you probably have a strong relation or a contract with a global triple. Mm. And when you're looking for service, you are going to go with them. And then probably they will call me. But uh, <laughs> to, 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 yeah, that's true. That's one of our business strategies. We work for. Global triples also as okay. a partner, but it's easier for us to talk to another business owner. They give, they tell us their challenges, and they feel more comfortable talking with people like them. Okay, but we have the expertise, we have the network, we have all the relationships in this in the area to not only to be in Panama, but to make the international transportation, the customs processes, and also the uh, the door-to-door delivery in Latin America. So what we offer is a, it's an end-to-end service to these kind of companies, you know, a small manufacturing company out of, I don't know, Georgia. They have a beautiful, I don't know, furniture products they want to sell, or okay. from Texas. And they have a customer in Peru or in Colombia. So we can help those guys. We can help them because we exactly have the the way to do it in a not expensive way, okay. you know, in a secure platform with all the visibility that the business require so they can run their business in a remote control way. From wherever they have their, their manufacturing plan or their, their business in the U.S. or Canada, we can perform. Actually, we don't have any company uh, representatives in our company. All businesses run through systems and through, uh, you know, platforms. They know exactly what is going on. Okay, so you're giving these small, mid-sized organizations an opportunity to compete yeah. in South America with the Fortune 500. And yeah. you know, from what you're telling me, it almost sounds like the reason some of the, you know, the larger organizations, I'm hesitant to say dominate the market, is quite simply because the small to medium-sized don't know how or are not familiar with the complexities to get their product to those markets, those different countries, regions. Yeah. But you can now give them access to South America, to the different regions at a competitive price, and they can now open up new markets. Do I get it? Yeah, you, you get it pretty right. And other thing is that those global companies, if they want to go to market or uh, they want to do something new, they just call a, a big four consultant, right? And they, they have the money to afford a study. But a mid-sized or small company cannot do that. So right. what we do, Mike, is that we gave them the advice probably will be more accurate mm-hmm. than these top global consultant firms because we are here. We know right. this market better than anybody else. We know what we're doing. So and, and we don't charge for that. Our selling style is consulting selling, right? We understand the problem. I just had a meeting today with a company, you know, pretty big company that they want to grow in this region, but they don't know where to start with. And they choose just the wrong place to start. They chose uh, so, the wrong place? Yes. <laughs> okay. 
So we noticed, we heard that when they, they were telling us that, okay, we did that because of this. Say so it was a big mistake, of course, but we can fix it. We can help this company to grow their business, a very well-known company. <laughs> and, you know, this is beautiful for us. This, though, this is the kind of customers we love because we can add value, Mike. We can okay. help them to grow because it's our purpose, our mission to help our customers to grow. And if they grow, we grow. So I'm really happy with these opportunities when, when I understand that they don't know what they need for grow. Mm -hmm. So I just need the vision. I just need what they want and I can help. Okay. And you can do some studies for them as well within the, the various markets. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me call on your experiences. We kind of pivot here a little bit as to what's happening with the supply chain now. Christmas is over. All right. I'm sure we all got our, our packages have been delivered. So now that Christmas is over, the supply chain is miraculously fixed. Is that right? Or are we st <laughs> we're still experiencing some problems? What are some of the problems that you, you still see might even be getting worse in the supply chain? There are many problems right now. There's still a lot of congestion in the West Coast U.S. Okay. I think it's close to 80 to 90 chips outside the San Pedro Bay. Wow. Right now, because all what is happening in the West Coast, the U.S. multimodal system, you know, have complexities all over, you know, lack of drivers, lack of trucks, lack of facilities. So there are many problems right now. And what happens is that whatever happens in the U.S., you know, reflects in what's happening in, in the rest of this, this uh, region, the continent. For Panama, and I need to be a little real on this, the Panama Canal have extraordinary numbers. The ports of Panama have extraordinary numbers because we don't have the problems that you have in the West Coast. So mm -hmm. many shippers, U.S. shippers, are diverting cargo out of L.A., Long Beach, and the West Coast to move it through the expanded canal to go to New York, New Jersey, Charleston, Savannah, Houston, Miami, etc. So the last year, the canal have a record of transits. Mm -hmm. And ports in Panama have a record of transshipment containers of over 8 million TUs. So it's a huge growth for the logistics system in Panama because of what is going on in the U.S. But other problem we are facing is the lack of bookings, which are the reservations for moving cargo out of China, the expensive rates, that they're pretty expensive rates. This is not going down as fast as we all thought or we all want. So it's pretty expensive. So we are seeing all this inflation caused by all these problems. Okay. All the problem that we are facing is what we call in the industry the bullwhip effect, which is the bullwhip you know, effect. Bullwhip effect, yeah. And that happened when you know these the cycles, you know, in the demand and the in the consumption, companies sometimes they get out of products and sometimes they get a lot of product and they cannot oh. sell it. So right now we are seeing warehouses full of products that cannot be sell, sold in a short term. Others, other companies cannot get the products here. For example, I have a customer, a high-tech company. They need as much as electronical equipment as they can, but they can't. The suppliers cannot because there are not microchips, enough chips to fill the orders. So they don't have enough product to sell. They have the customers, they have the market, but they don't have the product. Others have all the product that they have the market. So it's real a big mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of the, the factors that are contributing you know, to our obstacles here in the States is labor shortage. I should say a tight labor market. Yeah. You know, we shut down, you know, everybody had to go home. And the side note here, 
I don't know if you guys caught this, but Demo started his company just prior to the COVID shutdown, the global shutdown. Yeah. So just as he had started his organization, IPL, they now have to go into shutdown. Well, let, let me tell you a small story. I ended up my job or my assignment in my company in March 2020. So when I was supposed to sit down in my new desk in my company, we were in total lockdown. So I, I was never able to sit down in my new company. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. And at that time, my partner was running it. So, you know, you cannot imagine all those thinking in my head. Say, oh, my God, did I do the right thing? Yeah. You know, <laughs> but I was ready for that and, and I crossed that. So, yes, we operate in from home we are a warehousing business so for us mike it's not that easy as we're from home right probably i can do it and my partner can do it but we are a service company we need to touch the product you cannot do that through zoom you need to touch it you need to be there you need right. to touch it unload took the product so for us you know the, the world the office house balance that doesn't work we need to be there so it's different it's different yeah, it's different. And if you need people to be there, like I was before I pivoted to, you know, to the situation when you started during the beginning of the, the pandemic, I think something also that that we have to look at, if you need people on site here in the States for multiple reasons, organizations are finding it difficult to find employees to fill positions. Yeah. And is and like you said, drivers, shortage of drivers, you know, it's tight capacity market. In Panama, has this affected you? Does that affect the supply chain in moving goods and services to Panama, a tight labor market? Not really. Even though we also have government support for people that lose the jobs and all that, it was a little different. And let me tell you this. The labor shortage of, is not only in the U.S. You can find that all over Latin America because it's happening everywhere. So uh, the government's helping or giving you know, allowances to, to people without jobs is all over. So in our case, well, we were really, really lucky. We are so grateful for that. We opened this operation and uh, we found a lot of people with, that they didn't have a job. They lost their jobs. Mm. So we were able to find 150 people in a week. Wow. Yeah. 150 people in one week. Yeah. My, my HR manager is a queen. <laughs> 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 yeah, she's the best. Yeah, so we, we were able to build a team. People with experience have worked in other companies like us or even directly with uh, business owners, operators. So we were able to fill those positions pretty, pretty fast. It was a beautiful experience, Mike. I need to tell you this. We hire people that had, at a time, a year without having a, a formal job. A year. So they had and been had, out of work for a year. A year. And, due and, to the and, pandemic, and, and you helped... Find yes. them a job with your and, organization. And mostly, mostly of our employees are women. Okay. Yeah. It's 60%, 65% of our labor is women because we touch clothing and, and you know, men is, we are too, uh, we are not, too, we are not delicate. So you need delicate <laughs> hands and very careful hands. We are not like that. So these ladies were a lot with, you know, with families, they have kids and uh, we started paying them in cash because they didn't have bank accounts. Wow. So we found out, hey, we cannot get a check. We cannot get a deposit because we don't have any. I have been without a job a year. So what a problem. So we need to get cash. You know, for all these people, we were, it was a crazy times. But the most beautiful experience when they get that money, Mike. Yeah. The first salary in a year, you know, people crying. 
in front of you. This mm. is wow. the most, most fulfilling experiences because you were able to help that person somehow without a secure job. You know, the gratefulness they express was everything for us. Wow. So uh, it's beautiful. And, you know, we are really grateful for that opportunity, Mike, to build our dream, helping others. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. And that's a job well done. That's a job well done. And that uh, that being your, your primary purpose to provide, to help people grow personally, well, professionally, that providing confidence that can't help but lead over into their personal life. You know, the, you know, the, the service you're providing in solving these complex problems in moving products into South America is beyond recognition. And believe me, Demo gave me a couple of other examples of just simply, you know, working with a well-known computer manufacturer, moving laptops into South America and components coming from various countries, having to assemble them through IPL, <laughs> having to assemble some of those products at IPL and well, then sending that, that, them into the market. Yeah. The computer manufacturer was not in IPL, was in LSV, my former company. But but yeah, it's the same. You know, we're getting those computers from China and those printers from Brazil and those uh, peripherals from, I don't know, Malaysia, Singapore. It's the same. Happened the same. Now in IPL, we are we are doing, for example, for a auto part a customer, they are bringing products, again, from different manufacturing plants in Asia. So we are just putting all that together and building orders. So it's it's the same. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. Because you can help this business grow. Yeah. Speaking of business, Demo, what are some of the industries that IPL focuses on or that you've had experience in helping? Right now, we are focusing on fashion apparel. Of course, it's it's the fashion industry, the high-tech and telecom industry. Okay. We are doing a lot of retail and uh, e-commerce and also industrial, the industrial segment. We are helping a couple of industrial companies and, uh, you know, the hardware stores, the kind of things. We put it in industrial or retail. So we are not focusing right now on any related to pharmaceutical or human consumption products. We are not. So in the, the rest, we are doing mainly everything else. Okay. Well, Demo, congratulations on two years. Congratulations on becoming an entrepreneur. And most importantly, thank you for helping provide jobs and security for people in your region. and on a global scale yeah. for helping to solve some of the, the supply chain issues, moving products throughout North and South America, being able to provide solutions to that as well. Demo, if people want to get in touch with you at IPL, what's the best way to get in touch with you? They can go to our website, which is 3plpanama.com. Okay. Yes, three, the number 3plpanama.com. Or they can find me on LinkedIn. I try to be as active as I can in LinkedIn. The most inexperienced or demo page you will find me. And also IPL have their own LinkedIn page on LinkedIn. So they can find us there. It's pretty okay. easy to, to get in touch. All right. And I'll provide that contact information as well at the end here. Demo, thank you very much for telling us the Demo Perez story for the IPL, the start of, become, of IPL becoming an entrepreneur. Thank you very much for explaining to us the complexity of South America and how you can solve that problem, and for the ideas and thoughts and how to alleviate some of the supply chain issues. Guys, I want to thank all of you for once again tuning in and watching. We appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Mike Temple. 
You've been listening to the Business Leadership Experts Podcast, hosted by Mike Temple, where we engage with experts in business growth for small and medium-sized companies. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please let us know what you think through our social media channels on Facebook, LinkedIn, and our website at templeexecutivecoaching.com. We would love to hear from you.